Welcome to the Vital Dawn podcast for Wednesday, June 10th. S&P futures had a mild bid earlier. They've since pulled back to about flat. Uh, the same goes for Europe. So the major European indices opened with mild gains. They've since pulled back. They're actually now down a little small. There is a slight anti-cyclical bias in Europe. So autos, industrials, basic resources, and energy are underperforming, as well as a lot of the travel leisure stocks are lagging a little bit in Europe as well. So consistent with what you saw in the U.S. yesterday. Um, Asia was mixed overnight. So a few things to note this morning. In general, trading is very, very quiet just ahead of the Fed. And I'll talk about the Fed in a second. Um, so there's really not a ton going on. There were a slew of negative coronavirus headlines out overnight. So these are kind of consistent with a lot of the trends and themes and numbers that we've seen now for the last several days. Increase in transmissions, increase in hospitalizations occurring. Um, you know, the articles this morning really focused on the U.S., but you're also seeing it occurring throughout Latin America, in India, and elsewhere. Um, but I also think you have seen a shift on the part of politicians, whereas initially the focus was on um, emphasizing health and managing the economic fallout. I think you've seen now a complete shift globally, pretty much from all governments, whereby the focus is now on emphasizing the growth and, and, and the economy and managing the health fallout. I think politicians and governments in general are a little bit more comfortable as far as um, you know, flattening the curve. That was the initial that was the initial impetus. You know, initially there wasn't so much, um, you know, a desire to eradicate the coronavirus, just to kind of manage its spread. And so I think governments now are confident that they are able to manage the spread and they won't overwhelm their health systems, which is why you're going to see cases and hospitalizations increase. I don't think you're really going to see reopening rapidly um, reverse. All that being said, you know, and this is something I've been talking about now for several weeks, I don't think reopening is the same as economic normalization. So, um, it's relatively easy to reopen and lift lockdown procedures, but as far as people resuming their normal economic patterns and behaviors and getting back to a pre-COVID economy, um, you know, I think all these headlines are going to make that much harder to achieve. Um, and so I think that's going to be the real implication. I don't think the risk so much is that you see New York or some other areas in the country reimpose very strict lockdowns. It's going to be more just people... Um, people's behavior being slower to normalize on the economic front. So that's on the coronavirus, or again, a lot of articles talking about that. Um, on the e economic front, not nothing too dramatic. Chinese inflation is probably the big number that undershot expectations. Um, on the stimulus front, there are a few U.S. articles um, talking about the fiscal dynamics in the U.S. So um, you know, the fiscal cliff that I've been talking about now, it's, you know, there is going to be a fiscal cliff, meaning the fifth stimulus bill, which is very likely to occur probably in July, is going to be smaller than the CARES Act and then the CARES Act supplemental bill. So the third and fourth stimulus bill. So that difference is the fiscal cliff. The question is now, how, how large will it be? Um, you know, again, you kind of have a wide bid ask where Democrats are looking for three trillion plus, Republicans are looking for a trillion or less. Um, you know, the question is, do you extend these federal unemployment benefits that expire at the end of July, et cetera? So, you know, you saw a few a few headlines. I think that really dramatically shifts the narrative, um, you know, but there will be a fiscal cliff. And again, the question is kind of how big that will be. Um, the White House economic advisor was cited as saying he expects the U.S. economy to add three and a half to four million jobs in June on top of the two and a half that was added um, that were added in May. So he's obviously looking for. Um, you know, a continuation of kind of the V-shaped theme that I think um, stocks are very much embracing at the moment. Uh, on the monetary front, nothing too exciting. There was an article about 
um, the ECB creating a quote unquote bad bank, which would essentially become a vehicle to house all of the um, all of the loans that are sitting on European bank balance sheets that that are that are suffering as a result of the coronavirus. Um, you know, it seems like this is in only the very tentative stages right now. It doesn't seem like anything is imminent. This would be, in theory, another another step towards kind of a quote unquote mutualized um, fiscal policy in Europe. So consistent with the recent EU um, fiscal bill, fiscal stimulus bill of about 750 billion euros that would raise that would uh, that would um, authorize the EU to raise debt and then distribute money to various countries. This bad bank um, would be another kind of neutralized vehicle. So it's unclear if you're going to see all the various governments get on board with, um, you know, you're asking a lot as far as them agreeing to both this fiscal fiscal stimulus bill and then a mutualized bad bank. Um, I think that, you know, again, for now, I think that's rather academic. It doesn't look, it doesn't look like the bad bank is imminent. As far as the Fed is concerned, um, you know, I think last week, most people assumed the Fed would be just a very boring update. Um, you know, the Fed has all their tools deployed right now. They're, they are looking to manage kind of the economic fallout of the coronavirus, et cetera. I think after the jobs report on Friday, there is a lot of nervousness that the Fed would uh, kind of issue a quote unquote dovish surprise and causing another kind of upside spike in market. So I think the jobs report has shifted the narrative around the Fed a little bit, whereas people are now positioning themselves for a dovish surprise. So I think you're going to see the Fed. I have a very extended preview um, in the piece today, and and there there are a lot of different moving pieces for the Fed as far as kind of things that um, they should be they're going to be contemplating at at this meeting. Um, you know, I think the message will be a very dovish one. Um, you know, I think the, I think they will acknowledge the improvement that you've seen in some economic data and the improvement you've seen in financial markets. However, I think they're going to commit to staying. You know, um, you know, keeping policy. Uh, as accommodative as possible as they look to um, support the economic recovery. There is an issue with their quantitative easing right now, whereas before the justification in the statement had been to promote the normal functioning of markets, they've clearly accomplished that. They're not ready at all to kind of withdraw quantitative easing. So the question is now, how do they then change the rhetoric um, if they even change the rhetoric at this meeting or if they wait till July. So the whole the whole world assumes that you're going to get a more traditional quantitative easing announcement from the Fed. Um, you know, right now they pre-announce the purchase intentions for the coming week every Friday afternoon. That that policy is becoming a little bit antiquated just given where we are with the recovery. Um, and so they are going to shift eventually to a more formal quantitative easing plan whereby um, you know, they commit to buying, quote, you know, a, a trillion dollars of treasuries and MBS over the course of, of say, 12 months. Um, it's unclear if that transition occurs at this meeting. Um, it very well could. Again, I don't necessarily think that should be too shocking. Um, you know, again, they're buying right now four billion a day. So that's still a, a very large, um, you know, a very large amount. And if you kind of just run it out over the course of the year. Again, the question is, if you get that transition today, you're going to see there's certainly going to be a lot of noise today. You are going to get a supplemental for the first time since December. So they'll be giving out new economic forecasts. They'll be giving out their dot plot. Um, and so that will kind of show you their rate intentions going out over the next several years. The market assumes that you will not see a rate hike for a couple of years. So the dots, um, again, are going to create some noise. I think to the extent they create market disruption, Powell will probably be very dismissive of them during the press conference at 2.30. Um, you know, uh, again, I go into all this in the piece today, but like I said, I think, I think the market 
Um, I think the jobs report certainly has shifted kind of the psychology around the Fed. So where people now are are set up for a dovish surprise. So again, I, it would not shock me at all to see a sell the news reaction um, for the Fed this afternoon. So that's all the macro stuff on company specific front. Nothing all that exciting. Um, a couple of you know smaller earnings reports. Um, you know, one thing I will say is you have here, you know, you hear now from every single company this whole positive linearity message about how trends hit a trough in early April and they've improved since. The market is becoming a bit desensitized to that messaging. Um, you know, the market clearly is is past the recovering phase. The market is pricing in recovered. Um, you know, if anything, the market's pricing in even better than recovered. So the messaging that we've heard from every company that you know trends have improved from April into May and into June—that's great. Um, that doesn't seem to be really enough anymore to to spark upside in a lot of stocks. So the you know again, just given where the market is right now, it's clearly already pricing in a full recovery. Um, there was a great article in the journal just talking about you know the influence of individual investors, and and it had a great quote in there. Um, you know, just talking about uh, one prominent individual investor who has. Um, the comment on the markets a lot. The quote, uh, it took me a while to figure out that the stock market isn't connected to the economy. I tell people there are two rules to investing. Stocks only go up. And if you have any problems, see rule number one. Um, I think that encapsulates the mentality right now in the market very well. Um, so my thoughts, my views on the, on the market are still the same as before. Um, you know, you clearly have stimulus and positioning seem to be very powerful tailwinds, but I think um, the market is, is not focusing enough on a, a lot of fundamental risks. Um, and you are at extreme valuations. So that is everything for today. Thank you for listening.